Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson, and today I will get to a little update on impeachment. I'll talk about the Super Bowl, the March for Life, AOC Crazy Talk, and we'll get to a video produced by the Republican National Committee. Alright, so as mentioned, I'll start with a little impeachment update. Now, this isn't as much as an impeachment update is as it is just me talking about what the future of me covering the impeachment articles and the Senate trial. So, as we all know, the Senate trial started on Tuesday, and to be completely honest, I'm not watching it. We, many people, there's a, there's a quote that I really liked. It was, it was something around the lines that it's a baseball game we already know to the score to. Like, why would you watch that? The point is, you wouldn't. And as we've seen so far, impeachment is just completely partisan. There are no Republicans that support it. Most Democrats support it. It's, it's almost completely party lines. We talked about Tulsi Gabbard on the show. She's actually an exception for the Democrats. But we all know that this is super partisan. Nothing good is coming out of this. And what the Congress's focus should really be on is helping the American people and moving on from this. Now, I'll give a more in-depth explanation of impeachment, my opinion, some things about that more probably this will happen Monday. But to be honest, I'm probably not going to be covering the trial that much just because we already know what the score is. We already know this is completely partisan. We've gone over all the details on the show. Now, if there's breaking news or something important that I, I would like to cover, which is going to be the case Monday, we've already, there's new details on Adam Schiff and some of his dealings in the impeachment uh, hearings, things like that. So I will get to that Monday, but I'm going to try to focus less on impeachment, not because I don't care about it, but we know the score, it's partisan, we know it's not going to happen, and it's honestly something no one's really worried about anymore. Uh, I don't see any good from talking about impeachment forever. Nothing's really going to come out of this. Okay, so first we get to an article on Daily Wire that talks about this one, this, he's a quarterback, cornerback for the 49ers. His name is Richard Sherman. And he said, I'll doubt I'll visit the White House if we win the Super Bowl. So as as we know, it's it's the 49ers versus the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I believe it's this Sunday. Many people are very excited about that. But one of the sad things about sports is it's become very political over the past couple of years. A couple of years especially, you know, protesting the national anthem. We've seen that from Colin Kaepernick, Megan Rapino. I think... To start, I'll get more to more of that in a second, but I think that's honestly super disrespectful. But you, you've got things such as the Olympics that were kind of designed to bring countries together and take a step back from politics from a second. And now all we've got is, oh, if I win, I'm not going to see President Trump because I hate President Trump. I'm not saying that Richard Sherman said this. We'll get to that in a second. But just the general attitude towards politicizing sports, I, I just generally disagree with. I think I think it's fun to watch sports. I don't think it's fun when it becomes a big protest and 
or I'm going to visit the White House, or I'm not going to visit the White House. So to start, let's get to some things. Like, I really don't think it should matter if the president is Republican or Democrat. Why can't you just accept the fact, hey, you won the Super Bowl. That's a pretty big deal. Or, you know, with with the woman, the woman soccer team winning the whole thing, you know, just visit the White House, you know? Or the Nationals winning the, the World Series. You know, you've got all these teams uh, who've, who've had a great accomplishment. What bad does it do to go visit the White House? So I'll give an example from my personal life. So in elementary school, in fifth grade graduation, they do this thing. It's I think it's, I believe it's called the President's Award. And basically, if your GPA is above a certain point or you have really good behavior, the teachers will give you a president's award and and it's signed by whoever's the president. So when I was in elementary school, this was Barack Obama. Yes, I'm that young. I was actually towards the end too. I'm a ninth grader right now. But so I got this award. I It was the educational award, president's award. Now, I don't believe it was exactly signed by him. They just printed his signature on, but he approved that thing you know things like that so now i i got the award and i was happy you know would i would have rather gotten it signed by donald trump sure ronald reagan yes that would have been amazing james madison my favorite president oh yeah that would be great but was i disappointed that it was sat was i disappointed because obama signed it no of course not it was an achievement for myself and no matter who signed it, it's still the President of the United States, one of the highest honors you can have to, you know, in this case, receive the votes, able to become the President, you're in a very important position. Now, I'm not saying I agree with what Obama did, but hey, let's still recognize he was the President and was in charge of a lot of things and was in a very important figure, just like all Presidents are a very important figure in their time of office. So now you've got all these people saying that they won't come to the White House if if they win the Super Bowl or other sports, things like that. And there's a couple things I see wrong with this. So first, you're politicizing sports. Why can't we just have, like, normal sports? Why can't we just watch sports for our enjoyment, bring people together? I think that's really what sports are meant to be about. But instead, you have... Lots of people getting mad because they don't support the Pledge of Allegiance. And then you've got this whole thing where they're expected to do that and fight for their rights. Things things along those lines. When I really think what these players should be doing is just take a step back. We live in the greatest country ever in the history of the world. We've got the freedom of speech, the freedom of this second amendment to have a gun we have all of these freedoms we have religious freedoms we even have the freedom to protest now i'm not saying that people shouldn't protest in fact i'm going to get to the march for life in a second i'm just saying that sports aren't the best place to do that especially when you're on when you're in the nfl and your job is to play football and not say i hate the pledge of allegiance and america so first, you're politicizing everything, and it's it's making sports not fun, to be honest. And second, I think it's really disrespectful 
especially on the part of Megan Rapino or Colin Kaepernick, who are, who are, who are actually disrespecting the American flag, not coming out for the national anthem or taking a knee during it. Actually, wrote a whole article on the Pledge of Allegiance and why I stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. That will be coming out on my website soon once that gets all launched up and ready to go. So I'll get more to that in that article, of course. But what good are you doing by kneeling for the pledge, kneeling for the uh, national anthem? Because as far as I know, it's saying during the national anthem, you know, it's just a sign of respect for our country and recognizing what a great country we live in. So, for example, in Megan Rapinoe's case, she's arguing, you know, America's a terrible place and all this terrible stuff, and that's why she's kneeling for the national anthem and she's not going to go visit President Donald Trump. But where would she rather live in the world? Because there are a lot of places around the world that don't have the freedoms we do. In, in some places of the world, she wouldn't be able to stand up to their country's government. Like, for example, China. I mean, you've got this person posting a video on TikTok explaining how they disagree with what the Chinese government is doing and they're getting, and they got arrested. You know, you can't do stuff like that in other places of the world. North Korea, China, lots of other communist places. So the fact that people like this are even able to do this, and this not necessarily the example of visiting the White House, but just taking a kneel, uh, kneeling during the national anthem, things like that. In other places in the world, you aren't able to do that. And second, I mean, we learn about this at school a lot. Shouldn't we have an attitude of gratitude? There are so many amazing things about this country, including the freedoms that we have. And again, I don't agree with Obama. I still got something signed by him, and I'm happy about that. It was an award. It was a personal achievement for me. Just like these people who are, you know, maybe have a shot at winning the Super Bowl, winning the Women's World Cup, all things like that. What I really think they should be doing is they should, you know, accept that honor and gratitude and visit the White House regardless of it being a Republican or a Democrat. You don't have to agree or you you don't have to you don't have to agree with what the president is doing, but I think it's a sign of respect. And I think it's also disrespectful to say I hate you so much I don't want to talk to you or I don't want to see you because that's essentially what is happening. I, like, these people, you know, are coming out, they don't like Donald Trump. Again, freedom of speech. I understand that people don't like Donald Trump. I do like Donald Trump. I don't like Obama. But disrespecting an inner president, like, I don't want to see you, I don't want to talk to you, and I feel like I have to do this for my fans and supporters, I think sports are going down a very dark path. Now, again, I love football, I love basketball, I love watching them. I think it's great. But when you politicize things to the point where sports become not very fun anymore, I I don't think that's cool at all. I think these people, regardless of whether they agree or disagree, go visit the White House, celebrate your achievements, and for all the for all the things that people are saying Donald Trump doesn't he hates pe- he hates black people and stuff and he's intolerant to everyone. Well, to be honest, you're being kind of intolerant to him and the Republican Party and being very disrespectful 
to America. I mean, kneeling for the national anthem, I, I think that's very disrespectful to our American troops who put their lives on the line to keep us safe in America. So, sad news from the sports world. But we get to the big news of the day now, which is the March for Life. Now, March for Life is a movement that is anti-abortion. Obviously, I'm going to talk about it again right now. I've talked about it in the past. Abortion is a very terrible and very awful thing. Now, before I begin on talking about abortion and more about the event itself, let me make clear. There are certain times, such as in the case of the mother's health, if by giving birth to the baby, the mother is risking her life. I think there are some things, such as that, where abortion might be necessary. Now, however, in the general case, abortion is very, very bad. It is killing a baby. And I, I am honestly confused why the left doesn't like like to admit that, or in some cases they even do admit that, like such as we'll get to in a second in a video, but I'll, I'll save it for then, but it's something about the Virginia governor and his support for abortions right up to birth and something even more extreme than that. But I think it's sad that many people don't realize what you're actually doing like during an abortion, that you're actually killing a baby that could bring a whole new perspective, whole new ideas, and all these different things to life, and you're limiting their opportunity when they're when they don't they're not able to defend themselves, giving them killing them at their most vulnerable time of their life. So anyway, the big news about the March for Life is Donald Trump is actually the first president to attend this rally in person. So many people are calling him the most pro-life president in history. Now, I don't know enough about the other president's uh, ideas on abortion. Obviously, I haven't been alive for that long. So, But I do believe that President Trump is a very pro-life president. And the fact that he's the first president to come to this is both a celebration and both something kind of sad. It's a celebration because I think it's really good and important that our, that the President of the United States has recognized that abortion is a very bad thing and has done many things to try to stop this. But I also think it's kind of sad that past presidents weren't able to take a stand on something that is so dangerous and one of the worst, most, one of the biggest issues we're facing in America today, the killing of the unborn babies. So New York Times reports a little bit about this. I'm going to start in the middle of an article. I'll get to it. It has some opinion in here and then it goes to some of the other facts of the things. I'll get to all of that, but let me just read it first. So they say, quote, in fact, late-term abortions are extremely rare and doctors do not kill babies who survive abortions, as Mr. Trump has claimed. His aides, like Kalane Conway, the White House counselor, this week were quick to promote him as the, quote, most pro-life president in history. And hours before Pres Mr. Trump took the stage in Washington, Vice President Mike Pence discussed the March for Life with Pope Francis during a trip to the Vatican, another sign that the alliance between evangelicals and Catholics is key to Mr. Trump's continued su success. 
Mr. Trump's appearance at the March for Life is the most significant moment for, mo- mo- moment for the movement since it began in 1974, the year after the Supreme Court legalized abortion le- nationwide. His presence signifies how much, how mainstream he has made their cause, which is for years lacked power and resources as Planned Parenthood political influence grew. Now, first, I know I started kind of in a weird spot in the article where they basically say, in fact, late-term abortions are extremely rare and doctors do not kill babies who survive abortions, as Mr. Trump has claimed. Now, I don't think President Trump is trying to touch on that, even though even that has some, you know, some controversy in that. But I think the big point is that Democrats are still supporting late-term abortions. Now, I'm opposed to abortions at any point in time. I think you're killing a baby, and it's very, very extremely wrong. I can't say very extremely enough. It's a very wrong thing. However, it's the support that Democrats have for for late-term abortions. Now, I think all abortions are wrong, but I think especially late-term abortions are not only wrong, but incredibly radical that Democrats aren't able to realize that it's that a baby is being killed. We'll get to in a second. Some new states are passing laws that allow abortions up until birth, which is the most insane, crazy, sad, terrible thing. I cannot express that enough. Terrible, terrible thing. So anyway, we get to the rest of the article. <clears throat> so I believe, I believe it was last year, maybe it was the year before, that was actually the exact opposite. Mike Pence attended the rally, and President Trump just, they had a video of him speaking to the crowd. So now I think it's cool that President Trump is actually at the rally. It says Mike Pence was in the Vatican. Uh, but I think it's cool that the fact that President Trump is taking a stand on abortion, and I think Roe v. Wade might definitely be reconsidered in the future because of some of his Supreme Court justice picks. I think what Donald Trump has been doing with abortions, trying to limit abortions even more, is a very good thing. Now, in another episode, I actually talked about a little bit more about what Trump has done with this, but one of the things he's done is he's passed a policy where if you support abortions, something like that, you will not receive funding from the U.S. I think it's the Mexico City policy. I'll have to double check on that. But there's a lot of things, you can check out my other episode, there's a lot of things that Donald Trump has done that makes him a very pro-life president and really taking a stand for babies that are being killed who don't have a voice and are very vulnerable. Now the last thing before we move on with this, there's actually a book I'm reading right now. It's actually really good. It's called Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies by Greg Jackson. Now, this book is a lot about, it's, it has different liberal claims, and it talks a lot about facts and statistics and ideas that kind of clash with what you may think. There's a lot of things in here that the media make you think are false, but when you read it, it there's actually some statistics that kind of disprove the media in a way but I think there's a whole section on abortion 
And I think it makes some really good points, so I'll just read one of them. It's kind of comparing Dred Scott to Roe versus Wade, and it's a really good comparison. I'll talk about it in a second. But uh, Mr. Jackson, Greg Jackson, says, quote, In 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the Dred Scott decision by a 7-2 vote that black voters were not, quote, legal persons and were property of the slave owners who were granted basic constitutional, quote, rights to own those slaves. Abolitionists were told if they if they disagreed with slavery, they didn't have to, quote-unquote, own a slave and were told not to, quote, impose their morality on slave owners. Similarly, in 1973, by a 7-2 to decision, same as a Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court ruled in Roe v. Wade that unborn humans were not, quote-unquote, legal persons and that they were, in essence, property of their owner, the mother, who had the constitutional right to kill their unborn baby. Pro-lifers who opposed abortion were told, like the early abolitionists, that if they opposed abortions, they shouldn't get one and shouldn't impose their morality on those who choose to. Now, this is a very, very good argument. Obviously, slavery was a terrible, terrible thing. I think it's great that the North beat the South, that slavery is no longer a thing, and that black people have rights in America now. I Just get that out of the way, very beginning the uh, slavery was a terrible thing and abolishing slavery was a very good thing and the north winning the south was a good thing to stop slavery so now on to the comparison this is again in the dred scott decision they decided that black people were not legal persons now in the declaration of independence it says everyone has the right to life liberty and pursuit of happiness so if if they considered unborn humans people, then they would be directly directly clashing with the Declaration of Independence. So in Roe v. Wade, they decided that unborn humans were not legal persons, and so they didn't have the right to life, liberty, and property, which is obviously wrong. So that's one similarity. And that the slaves were property of their slave owners, just as, you know, there's this whole push for women's rights. When in reality, you're killing a baby. It's like, again, going back to the comparison, it's like saying slave owner rights, that they have to control another person, or in the abortion argument to kill another baby that is vulnerable and can't advocate for themselves. And then the third thing is, again, if abolitionists disagreed with slavery, they didn't have to have a slave, and that they shouldn't impose their beliefs on others. Just like the modern day argument of abortion that if you're opposed to abortions, don't get abortions, but don't tell us what to do. So I think that's a very good comparison. Uh, shout out to Greg Jackson. I'm not getting paid for that. It's actually a really good book. You should go check it out. I, really interesting stuff, and I think that's a very good comparison to modern-day abortion, you know, etc., things like that. So March for Life happened today. President Donald Trump, first one to show up in person to this while Mike Pence was in the Vatican. So moving on to AOC. Now AOC had some crazy things to say. So the Daily Wire report, specifically Ben Shapiro, who wrote, on Monday, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat from New York, sat for a discussion with author Ta Nehisi Cotiz. Sorry, probably butchered that name. She dropped a number of shocking statements, statements that 
Ellis cited nothing and cited nothing but murmurs of agreement from Coates. AOC claimed, no one ever makes a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. How, pray tell, are American billionaires responsible for such massive theft? According to AOC, the very mechanism of capitalism mandates such theft. In her view, successful business people simply exploit their workers while maximizing their profits. Hypothetically speaking about billionaires making widgets, she said, you didn't, you didn't make those widgets. You sat on a couch while thousands of people were paid modern-day slave wages, and in some cases real modern-day slavery. You made that money off the backs of undocumented people. Okay, so let's debrief that a little bit. First, AOC claiming that no one ever makes a million dollars, you take a billion dollars. So, let's just throw out a couple of simple questions to start. Have you ever bought anything from Amazon? Have you ever bought anything from Walmart? Have you ever bought something, have you ever bought it an electronic or phone that you wanted? Have you ever bought something from Amazon that you wanted? Have you ever felt like you've got a good deal on a price? These are all questions that kind of disprove what AOC is saying right now. Saying that no one ever makes a billion dollars, you take it. So say, say the headphones I'm using right now, Black Friday, Christmas present, I got a very good deal on them. Actually, my parents did. But my parents got a good deal on a nice pair of headphones that I'm now able to use for this podcast. Is the company who sold me these headphones now a theft? No, we got a good deal on these. Like, to start, it doesn't even have to be a good deal. If you're willing to buy the product, you know, supply and demand, you must believe that the worth of that product or item is worth what you pay for. But especially when you get a good deal, you are giving that money so you can have this. And it's an exchange. The company, so Skull Candy, isn't saying, we're taking your money and we're not giving you anything. You're saying, hey, I want something you have. And Skull Candy's saying, okay, well, you have to pay for it. Now, that's just one example. Have you ever bought something in your life that you wanted? That disproves the whole idea that these companies are stealing money from you. It's an exchange of money. Another example. I bought a phone for my birthday because I wanted a new phone because my other one's battery life was, wasn't working very well. So I wasn't able, I had to charge it every 30 minutes. Amazon didn't, or eBay or whoever didn't steal my money. I wanted, I wanted a product of theirs and they said, okay, we'll make you that product or we'll sell you that product, but you have to give us something in exchange. So the, the idea that businesses are, 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 are robbers and they're stealing you and everyone hates these businesses. If everyone hated these businesses or they didn't believe a product was worth the price, they just wouldn't buy it. If the phone, the new phone I got was a million dollars, I would not buy it. And the business that would try, be trying to sell me that wouldn't steal my money from that. I just not decide not to give my money for them for a product that I believe is overpriced. So the idea that businesses steal your money is simply untrue. Businesses exist so they can get money and make money, but they need to give you something in return so that you will give them their money. 
It's an agreement that both of you, the business and you, agree upon. No one's stealing anything unless you're literally shoplifting from a store. And then the second thing is that it AOC says, quote, you don't make those widgets. You sat on a couch while thousands of people were paid modern-day slave wages and, in some cases, real modern-day slave slavery. You made that money off the backs of undocumented people. Now, to start, if she's talking about undocumented people, that's the whole argument against illegal immigration. We want people to come here legally so that they can get paid normal amounts. Now, what's happening is people are flowing through the border illegally, and people will employ them, but they'll employ them for less, and that's illegal. If we could have, if we could solve this issue, and everyone came here legally, and everyone had citizenship, you wouldn't have the problem of people paying less than minimum wage. So, first, that. Second, saying that you're paying people modern-day slave wages. Now, I understand the argument that minimum wages, a minimum wage, like for example, in Colorado, I believe it's around $11, $12 now, isn't enough to have an apartment and to get all the, your, the food you need. Childcare is pretty expensive. But let's take a look at if we raise the living, the minimum wage even higher. First, first you would have uh, the company has uh, more, has to spend more on their employees, so that will probably mean they'll have to cut certain employees who aren't as skilled, and they'll have to raise their prices because they need they need to make a profit, and it's harder to make a profit when you have to pay your employees even more money. So you see that, and the businesses that that will really hurt is small businesses, small businesses that employ local people. So you can't just raise the minimum wage because that's going to cause inflation. Again, when the Big Mac was first introduced in the 1960s, I believe, it was 40 cents. Now what is it? You know, it's obviously higher. And you know what's also higher? The minimum wage. So you can't just solve the wage problem. Minimum wage jobs are meant for people such as high schoolers. The idea is you work your way up the food chain. You do well in school. You become educated, you go to college if you want, you pursue something you like, you can start your own business. There is no one stopping you from creating your own business. So it's not the people working who choose how much they make. It's the people who came up with the idea and inherit all the risk. If a company goes bankrupt, their their employees don't have to pay for bankruptcy. They'll obviously lose their job, but that has a lot bigger effect on the person who's quote-unquote sitting on a couch, that has a lot more risk in that and has a lot more to manage than someone who just makes fries all day. <clears throat> so, a bunch of crazy stuff from AOC. I, I disagree with pretty much that whole statement. So, to finish off the Friday, uh, won't be back till Monday because new episodes come every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, we'll finish it off with a, an RNC video ad. This is really interesting. I found it, it, it exposed the left a lot. So without further, further ado, here it is. Poorly. 
wounds bracing for more Antifa protests. At least two journalists in Virginia were assaulted by violent counter-protesters over the weekend. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. In time, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar under attack for anti-Semitic tweets. By 2030, no more cars. By 2035, no more production of electricity. The Green New Deal go too far? No. You cannot go too far on the issue of climate change. Coal-burning plants. No one's going to build another coal-burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. They would strip Americans of their constitutional rights. There will be people that don't turn their guns back in. What's the next step? A visit by law enforcement? To gun owners out there who say, well, a Biden administration means they're going to come for my guns. Bingo. Use the power of the law to punish their opponents. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. They would shut down your free speech. I would love to be able to regulate the content of speech. The First Amendment prevents me from doing so. Religious institutions, should they lose their tax-exempt status if they oppose same-sex marriage? Yes. Well, earlier this month, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill in the law legalizes abortion right to the moment of birth. The governor of Virginia, he stated he would execute a baby after birth. A plan that takes away 165 million people's private health care plans. The government is now in charge of your child's health care plans. Raise your hand if, gov if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned hand. that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the mother and rage. They want to destroy you. They only care about their own political power. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it.